Welcome to another amazing episode of the Halo Effect podcast. And I'm so excited to introduce to you the beautiful Shannon Dunn. And done and dusted as it may be, uh, we have just begun this episode. And uh, where I met Shannon was online, which has been where I've found a lot of these people on the episodes. And it's been this organic reach of having a bit of a conversation, getting to know a little bit about who Shannon is. But what really drew me to Shannon in the first place was this like burst of colour, her big, juicy, gorgeous smile. And I've got her on the screen. If you're listening to this later on Spotify, um, I like encourage you to have a look on the YouTube video as well, because you'll just see her as she is just full of life, beautiful, big smile. And her background is as a longtime business coach, and she essentially helps ambitious women leverage their thrive factor and turn their wisdom into profit without hustle and overwhelm. So I'm sure I'm going to learn so much from you in this because I know that one of my, you know, away values that comes up when I'm feeling stressed is overwhelm. And there is so much out there at the moment that, you know, we can be so distracted by. So Shannon, let's hear your beautiful voice. Let's hear your story as to why you do the work that you do and explain to us all about what the Thrive Factor is. Ah, thank you, Lauren. In a a nutshell, right? Because I could talk about this for weeks without taking a Um, and that's it when you found your life's work and your mission and the legacy you want to leave in the world as I say to my clients all the time that's how much you love it that you could just keep talking about the same thing over and over and over again and you're not going to get bored of it and you don't care if people like I've heard this before you'd still want to keep showing up and doing that (laughs) so I'm so glad that we connected and just you know, by random connection, um, we happen to also be in the same part of the world. So, yeah, yeah. For, you know, West Aussie sisters. Um, but, yeah, the, the why, goodness me, where do I start? There's so many things that often come up and, and we were talking a little bit before we started this around the how cool it is when you can just have an organic conversation and yeah. not this whole pre-practice. What am I going to say to the why question? But if I think back to being a little girl, which feels like such a long time ago now, that I very much was, a, 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 and always still am, a curious observer of people. Like I'm fascinated by human beings and the way that we respond to the world and to each other. And I've always nerded out on anything to do with psychology and learning about human dynamics and, you know, anything, anything, anything. Um, a lot of my professional background includes lots of study in all those areas as well and qualifications yep. and all that nerdy kind of stuff, which when I tell you about the archetypes, which is what the Thrive Factor is, one of my archetypes explains why I'm like that. Um, but this whole observation and, and really wanting to understand how people like could be their like best selves kind of thing. But I didn't know what that was when I was little. I was just like, why would they say that? Or why would they do that? Or why do people talk to themselves like that? These are the like the little questions going through my little head, um, whether it was kids at school or the adults in my life. And as I went through my my early career, my first career, I was a registered nurse. So get a long time ago. And people, I had to go from that to business. But my family had all been small business owners. So I, I grew up in and around small business. Both my grandmothers were business owners. So I just knew that as a grown-up lady, you could be a business owner. I didn't question whether you could or not. Like a lot of young women were like, how could I do this? Because I had role models that did it, right? 
but I got to the point so through the nursing I did some psychology and counseling kind of study so that was more formalizing things and then being out in the world working in that profession again a whole new nerding out on observing people and their interesting responses and behaviors to certain things so um you know just sort of just kept morphing again and again and again and did more study and more different things and I have actually got counselling qualifications I'm an art therapist um, I've got a diploma in Jungian archetypal psychology like all different things and the thrive factor is actually a framework of 12 archetypes that is specifically for women in business and leadership and it gives us a sense of not a sense it's like a, a reliable knowing drawing on ancient psychology because archetypal psychology is like back to like the times of Plato, like the old dudes that used to supposedly, you know, hang out in ancient Greece and chat about all wisdom kind of things. That's how ancient like the archetypal psychology is. Um, and so these 12 individual archetypes give us a sense as women of who we are, of our strengths and of our potential challenges. And the thing is that there are 12 of them. We'll have aspects of all 12 within us, but our own unique individual thrive factor could be three, four, five, might even, may even be six of those 12 archetypes because we are not just one thing. We're not like, okay, I'm going to tell you you're an inspiring believer and that's all you are. Like that's just mm -hmm. the start of who you are and who you could be. Yep. So why I do what I do is because I want women particularly to better understand themselves and to be able to confidently rely on the things that they know about themselves so that they don't have all this shitty stuff in the way that limits them that stops them that's that kind of stuff and when we talk about the archetypes there are strengths for each and there are also potential challenges and the potential word is actually really key mm. so often we take on feedback from the world from ourselves that limits us makes us feel less than and all this kind of stuff and so I didn't want to use the word challenges and have the negative connotation of challenges because you know you say you and I have got four archetypes each and yeah. we have two the same yeah, yep. but the other two we have different. The two that we have the same could play out in our lives and our work differently because we have two different ones. So the challenges, you know, if we look at, I've got this all in a big, 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 big challenge. Oh, we'll have to put that in the show notes as well yeah. to get amongst it. Yeah. That is so cool. Definitely. But in every chapter and for every archetype, it's quite is quite a lot of detail in there. And we go through and, you know, if you were to read the challenges and go, oh, I must, I'm going to have all these things happen or all these experiences, but you might not because you may have another archetype that almost like cancels all of that out. So it's potential challenges. <laughs> and you have to be like when people get so attached to, pinning their life in a certain way like you know it's all about the language which I'm sure already hearing your story I'm like okay it sounds like you're literally telling my story in a different way and this is why we vibe with each other but you know it's why we connect with other people in general um but yeah when people get so attached to a concept that they're like oh or they're saying I don't want this that they actually manifest it because they put all of their energy and attention to that one particular thing and they become yeah. that because they're not actually concentrating on just existing and being and clearing away like the crap to just go, who am I like away from everyone and away from everything? Away from all these external influences and all the labels that I've given myself or I've taken on board because someone once told me this or said this or I've heard someone say that to someone else about them, but I decided it must be for me, all of that kind of stuff. It just holds us back. And I don't want that to be, you know, I, I really do have, this is a legacy that I'm leaving in this world. 
I have a desire, a huge desire for women to be able to talk about themselves through their Thrive Factor archetypes. So it's not giving their power away to the archetypes. Instead, it's just like we talk about, you know, you might connect with someone in like human design, such a trendy thing at the moment. And um, Myers-Briggs, you know, all the, um, your disc profile, like there's so many different things out there. But I want women to connect no matter where they are in the world. At some point, maybe beyond my lifetime even, and they'll be like, you know, just talk archetype to archetype and they'll know that it's the Thrive Factor archetypes they're talking about, not other archetypal frameworks. And because of the archetypes that someone shares that they have, that, that you know, friend or that connection or that woman they just met at a business networking event or, you know, whatever that context is, that other woman's going to go, oh, my God, you're amazing because I can see that you've got, you know, the archetypes you have, even if hers are completely different. They're going to see yep. each other through their strengths, not through all the other stuff that we can often see. Yeah. What I That's love I about that, Shannon, is that you make a subtle point there of drawing on ancient wisdom. And what I love about this is that often all of this information isn't new. It's about the way that you've worded it, the way that you've put it into this Thrive Factor framework that is resonating with women's minds in particular that you're drawing in as leaders. And this is why it's so important in business to really know what you're doing and why you're doing it because the way that you deliver it, while the content may not be new, the way that you specifically um, have your leads and have your clients come to you is because of your energy, because of, you know, how you simplify things. It's an yeah. art. You know, you know, you can have, like, think about how many coaches there are in the world, variations of coach, you know. There is hundreds and thousands of, of women particularly calling themselves coaches these days. And, you know, as a consumer, that can be overwhelming, but it's, it's, it's not about going, okay, I need a business coach or I need a health coach or I need a mindset coach and suddenly I've got 100 names given to me. It's about, but who energetically are you drawn to? Because if people are out there and they've been trained in certain frameworks or things or they have experience or lived and learned experience, they're going to they can bring some common things together. But as you just said, Lauren, your version, like the Lauren spark, like the Shannon spark, that is yeah. the bit that draws people in. This is how we connect with our ideal clients and create community because people are just like, I want to know, I want to be in your space. Like yeah. it's something about you I want. And in each of the archetypes, not only going through their strengths and, and potential challenges, in the book I've broken down and I include this in every program I teach, every coaching you know, interaction that I have with a client, no matter how long it is, the profiling and the archetypes come into everything. Mm. But what I've done is I've broken down more in depth what I call the four M's of momentum, so mindset, marketing, money and magnetism Ooh. for each archetype so that you don't have to go, oh, what, 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 you know, what do I need to do or what, what can I work on or what can I celebrate about me? It's yeah. not a guessing game or a second guessing or a I don't know who I am. Like, the, you know, what's the ultimate question that everyone asks and spends their life trying to answer? Who am I? It's not that. It's like this is, this is who I am as a starting point. As I right. said before, like I'm very clear to say that this is not a definitive black and white, this is all you are framework. You know, this, I have, I created this over a decade ago. It was 2010. I first started documenting it and I've been using wow. it in my work since then. This book, which is the second iteration of the Thrive Factor, came yeah. out in January 2019. Uh, oh. And I still get new insights all the time. So it's an ever-evolving body of work. So, 
yes, you never know who you could be. Another beautiful reason why I'm just like, I love you and appreciate you is that you're interested in evolving. And as humans, we're changing all the time, whether you like it or not, just by product of life, you're changing and evolving. But if you can direct it in a way that's like purposeful, you're going to live a much more fulfilled life. And that's how I feel like I would define happiness and success is like freedom and abundance in all areas of life. And that's what it means to me. Might mean something completely different to Shannon or the people watching or listening to this. Um, And yeah, just the fact that, you know, all of the insights that have come to you over the time, when, when I look at a lot of successful people, you're consistent with your message. While it like little insights might change along the way and you get better at refining it, like, Shannon has been doing this over a decade and she's still vibing on her own work. She's still wanting to hold up her book and go like, read it. And what I think is really cool, which I haven't really heard often told a lot of the time, you know, when we talk about what's my purpose, what's my why, why the hell am I here, is that you've given the framework from the beginning and that's just so many people are looking for that certainty and to grasp onto something of like, I can connect and identify with that. And I feel like that would be such a powerful thing. It is. And, you know, I have profiled six, 700 women personally. Yep. I also have a, a certification program now. So under the banner of Thrive Factor School, where I train women to be Thrive Factor coaches so that they can profile other women and work with them in a coaching framework. So not just for business, I've got pro-graduate profiler and coaches that work with women as healers, as guides, as, as mm. you know, mindset coaches, but not just about business. In fact, there's only one of the group of graduates who actually does business work. That's going to be a whole other certification in the future, actually, how do you use it specifically with business? But for now, um, it's, you know, of all those women that I've profiled, like I can, I can close my eyes and I've got an archetype in my own profile called the visionary creator. So I literally have the, the ability to see, you know, there's a very vision kind of driven, sight driven kind of gift in that archetype. Mm. I can close my eyes and see the flash of all the faces of all the women I profiled over all these years from all over the world. And I can hear the things that they've said to me. And a lot of the things that come back from feedback consistently over all this time is things like, I actually like myself. Mm. or you know I've seen tears come gently down a face and I'm you know and I will always the therapist to me is very good at inquiring without making any judgment or meaning and just say what's going on Mm. what can you tell me about that and it'll be like this there's nothing wrong with me or I'm not broken or I don't need fixing or that thing that I've been told all my life is a problem is actually one of my superpowers like this kind of stuff you know, the other big word that comes up is like, I feel like I've got permission to be me and do what I actually have always wanted to do. It's like, yes, this, that's what thriving is, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> and I will never tire of that. And, you know, just listening to those words, if I ever have a moment or a time or whatever where I'm like, this is all too hard and my vision is so big and it's taking too long, which the visionary creator archetype can be very impatient. Um, she can see what's possible. So she wants it to be reality now. And that's not always the case. Right. But any of those moments that I may have at any point in time, because we are all human and we have external influences and things going on, I just have to, you know, tune in and listen and hear one of those voices saying that to me, you know, because every life that is expanded, is given an opportunity to thrive, 
is a life that can also support others to do the same thing. And that's just how I see the world. That is definition of your purpose, your individual purpose. It should be serving you, but it will be serving the benefit of the universe and your community essentially in whatever way that looks like. And I think, you know, comparing is the, it's that um, sick mind game that we play with ourselves. We look at someone else thinking that, why aren't I there? It's like, hang on, we've got very separate purposes here. And um, if we were to like put it on a numbers game, maybe it looks a bit uneven, but if it was to come back to what the same goal is, it looks very equal. And this is where, you know, there's a big movement with a lot of women's stuff that's happening. It's not that, you know, men or women are better or worse than each other. We all have like the masculine and feminine energy, but it's actually coming back to what feels most congruent with me having um, like wanting to step more into the feminine energy while maybe existing in a like needing to step into my masculine energy for work like how can I manage those both or see what archetype is going on and not beat myself up for it because I would love to hear your process from like what that catalyst point was for you when you were able to lean into um, embracing yourself into it because I'm sure it wasn't just like oh I came up with this book and I'm perfect and I'm in my 12 archetypes and you know I've, I've nailed this <laughs> and people ask me I've had someone say to me like did you like download it like a, did you channel it and I'm like well not really but maybe in some ways you could say that I don't you know but yeah as I said like having nerded out on on everything to do with human behavior most of my life I was like in my teens reading about the work of Carl Jung so he's often referred to as like the modern father of psychology and that kind of thing and he did a lot of work with archetypes so that fascinated me so that's going back in my very early years I spent a big chunk of my 20s living overseas and traveling and I just enjoyed so much the ancient history that I was learning and I found that archetypes you know characters the, you know, the statues of gods and goddesses in ancient Greece and Rome, all of that kind of stuff, they're archetypes, like they're archetypal energy. An archetype is a word goes back to sort of ancient times and then it comes from the root words arche and tupos, which means first impression. So it's about the impression that we give, the, the, the impression that we leave or the imprint we leave in the world. And so in those times when Jung was doing a lot of his study about archetypes, he was looking to myth and story across culture and across time to get rep- to find representations to help us better understand under other better understand I should say like well, what does it mean to be if we say mother archetype what does that mean what does that look mm. like and so he found that story in myth and story particularly was very helpful for people to understand yeah so did yeah. so I've been doing reading and learning about this all the all the all my life and then when I did my transpersonal art therapy studies in goodness me the mid 2000 2005 six I was doing that and it just kept coming up again there was more work about archetypes we did a whole module on archetypes so I was completely <laughs> in my element everyone thought I was a bit weird because I was like I know all this like that I don't know all this I know it but I'm so excited to learn more and new stuff so that was cool and then you know in those were the there was a that was about the time frame that I'd it was early very early days of my business I was still working in corporate in the corporate health setting frustrated is so much about wanting to escape that kind of thing and failure yeah and you know, that was a long time ago now like 15 for 12 14 15 years out of that now completely fully um it's possible right for anyone who's listening who feels it the same it is possible to get out of that 
Um, but in that time, I was here juggling the work and study and, and really going, this is just like not, I'm not fulfilling who I am. Yeah. And then as I did start to work with clients and I have, I've worked with men and women the whole time in my business, but my preference has been with women and all the programs I do, um, you know, 90% of the time have been for women and women only, they're not been for both genders. Um, and I, but I started just to go, wait a second, there's patterns in the challenges that the women I was working with, no matter how old she was, her cultural background, her professional background, her education, her financial status, nothing. There was patterns in her behaviours, in her the language she was using, the thoughts that she was sharing with me, the, the action she take or not take, the outcomes she was getting. I was like, wait a second, there's a whole lot of archetypes here. And I yeah. just, honestly, Lauren, I did documenting what I was seeing. And over yeah. the course of a few months, I was like, okay, I need to sit down with this and look at what I've been observing. Mm. At Nerdy, I want to like sticky beak into everyone's life. Yep. And I'm going to see, see what's here. And I literally, within uh, like a couple of days, I had initially had 10 archetypes and then very quickly it's like, no, there's two more. And those same 12 from back then, uh, still the 12 that we have now, the names haven't changed. They've just evolved and deepened in my understanding of them. Mm. And so I started didn't have the profiling kind of assessment thing sorted out back then, but it was not long after that I worked that out. But I, um, I just started talking to some of the women that were clients of mine at the time about the archetypes and, and what I was seeing in them. So rather than, you know, say to someone, I think you could be an advocate rescuer, I'd listen yeah. to her language. An advocate rescuer, common archetype amongst women in the world, modern, modern world, she's the... She's that friend you have that always says yes to everything. She's always helping. She's always volunteering. She's always giving her time, but to the detriment of her own well-being, right? So she'll volunteer. She'll do everything. She'll give everything away. She, From a business perspective, she would rather give you something for free than have the awkward conversation about what it's going to cost, like that yeah. kind of thing, yeah? Yeah. Really common. When I was hearing the kind of things that were going on, I would say, well, Maybe if you think about and we talk about like a mindset thing or we talk about a different kind of, you know, practical way to do something in their lives and their businesses. And what I was doing was I was sharing their archetypes with them without having formalised the archetypes or given them away and then, you know, for them to know. And then, you know, within that first year of, of defining the 12 of them, I also did the artwork. So the visionary creator archetype I mentioned before that I have is also an artist. So she is the oh, artist. Wow. So they're... Oh, so this is own artwork from 2011. Yeah, and all amazing. The awesome. So, and then even just painting them, which was like a you know an afternoon kind of session. Crazy. Yeah. That's that's how clear it was. I then got deeper insights into each of the archetypes based on the imagery that I'd put in the archetype that I hadn't even thought about. So it's come to me from somewhere, and I'm not going to question. It. That's the advocate rescuer. Oh. Just the. And She's Shannon, like the energy of the queen, the goddess of, of, of compassion. Like with these um, archetypes, I would love for you to run through what the 12 are, but I don't want you to give too, you know, too much of the information away because I want people to be I, able to, to get your book yes. as well and, and dive into that deeper because it's not just a surface level thing. Like it's always fun to go, oh, I'm this and I'm that, but then, you know, they don't think any more it, of it. But it's so it, much deeper. It. It is. It's so. It is, Lauren. And you know, I have such an interesting, um, again, being in that observatory kind of place of 
when I have a conversation, like I do a lot of presentation, do podcasts, different things. I, as I said, I teach the archetypes in my own work. Yeah. And I'll have someone sit there in there, say in an audience of an online thing or an in-person thing, and they've heard me talk about all 12 archetypes and they'll go, I'm going to, I'm definitely, uh, you know, decide. And we've got some sense of what we are. Trust me, we always get one or two wrong. <laughs> because again, there's those shadow parts of ourselves that we're not fully aware of or we don't want to own. Um, or they'll buy the book and they'll go, I've read it and I've worked out what I am. Trust me, the only way you can truly know is to actually do a profiling experience. Yeah. But it's a starting point to listen and to get the book, definitely. So for people that are not quite sure they want to make an investment, um, you know, but just to think about if you really want to know and you want to understand how, to, how it impacts or influences your life, then doing a profiling experience is the, the way to go. Um, and with that, again, it's not just, a, okay, I've done that and I've had a like 45-minute session with Shannon or a profile, you know, one of the coaches out there, yeah. and I'm, I'm all good now. It is an ongoing learning thing. And, you know, I've got right. a long-term client of mine at the moment who's actually one of my graduate coaches uh, with the Thrive Factor. She uses it in her business. And she said to me, I think she, she had my first version of the book back in 2013. So she's been learning it for eight years. And she said to me, I keep learning new stuff about myself all the time and it's so cool. It's like that's what that's what I want is that that inquiry and that you're know, curious, inquisitive, of who am I and what more can I learn about myself because mm. this is actually good stuff and it's supporting me in who I want to be and who I am. So, yeah, so lightning speed, 12 of them. I will go Ooh. through very, 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 very quickly. Before you do a- that, is with these 12 archetypes, is there like six paired with six to step into like just say no they're all just on their own it's not like there's a balancing one for each archetype no cool no they are all individual and when you look at anyone that has listened to us and or seen or watched and knows anything about archetypal work and the traditional psychology around it there is the shadow and the light and so uh, as I said Uh I change the strengths strengths of light shadow is potential challenges Love it. so there's Love still it. the duality within each archetype but no they are standalone little ladies some of them have got similarities with other archetypes but even within the similarity they're very different and very unique personalities which also I love because as I said earlier we are not one one thing we're not one label we are a combination of different things so it's very totally very cool. take it away beauty yeah, I mentioned the advocate rescuer earlier, so I won't go into her too much. But yeah, as I said, she is that the helper, you know, the always the the ultimate giver. Like, what can I do to help you? What can I, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and with her name, advocate rescuer, she needs to the biggest gift she can give herself, and therefore the world is to learn the true meaning of self advocacy. So being able to use her voice to speak up for what she wants and needs, and to expect that to be returned. Um, with her desire to help that trips into the rescuer, which is not always a healthy, happy, kind of harmonious relationship with the world mm. when she's trying to come in and do and re- take, you know, take control and sort everybody out. She wants to be empowering, but she needs to learn that empowerment is leading by example, not doing four hours. Yeah. Can I buy that um, card and just ship it to every lady in the world? <laughs> just that one card. <laughs> I know. Not everyone has this archetype. This is not mine of mine. Yeah. But I, yeah, yeah. 
that it's very common, very, yeah. very common. Um, and the other aspect about this is that with the, the Advocate Rescue, she has a huge desire to champion causes and her causes may be related to people, to environment, to animals or all three. So this is another way where she volunteers or donates time or, you know, money or all different things like that as well. So it's it comes from a beautiful place. It's the, it's the um, archetype of compassion, but self-compassion is what she's really here to learn, self-compassion and self-advocacy. So I'll go through them alphabetically because I've got the, the, the cards here anyway. And then I, not that I forget anybody, but <laughs> there's a couple in the early days that have visibility problems that interestingly <laughs> I used to forget when I was introducing them. So the next one is the heroine adventurer. So if any of these, Lauren, if these jump out to you as like these sound like me, just let me know too. So yeah. the heroine adventure archetype is the nature lover. She is fierce. She's determined. She is ferocious. She just loves being in the world, adventuring. She can be seen by others as intensely competitive because she wants to win. She wants to achieve. She doesn't necessarily see herself as competitive. It's just, you know, and then very much this is the kind of thing when you talk to women with these archetypes, like, but that's just what I do and who I am. It is but other women are not like you, right? So it's a good thing that we're different. But others can sometimes find the parts of us that are so strong in us and our personality. Other people can find that a bit hard to understand because they're not, they don't have the same archetypes as we do. Mm. But the heroine adventurer can be terrible at taking care of herself because she's so about the, like she gets um, blinkers. Anyone who's not watching this, I'm putting my hands up like blinkers on the side of my eyes. Like when she's got a mission and a goal, nothing gets in the way of that. So everything goes out the window, her relationships, her self-care, anything. Mm. The only thing that would get a look in is if she has animals in her life, they would still be taken care of. So this is a very big nature lover, animal lover. And getting out in nature, putting her feet in the earth or in water or something is incredibly essential for a heron adventurer to yeah. be able to balance out that fierce, ferocious, determined kind of I've got to win thing. Um, heron adventurers can be very good at abandoning things partway through if they've decided that they're not going to achieve at the level they wish to achieve. That so. sounds amen like me and it sounds very much yeah. like the fire elements. And when I think of that title, I just think red and I'm just like burn, baby, yeah. burn. And this is burnout for you know, at different times. And that's why I love that you say like animals and nature. And that is something that allows me to put yeah. my feet back in the dirt and water is my absolute ally. And yeah. So for anybody else who's listening and thinking, gosh, that does sound like me as well, that intense energy. And yeah, I don't think I'm competitive in certain areas, but I know that people like you, are, you are something else. <laughs> like, and I'm sure you get that as well. A lot because, yeah, yeah, we obviously vibe on that level. <laughs> yeah, we go different archetypes that, that drive my kind of of determination. Yeah. But the, as I said, parent adventure is the one of the 12 that's actually competitive. Like it's a different uh, energy. Interesting. So a, a physical ability when she puts her mind to it, like an Olympian, like it's that, mm. you know, it's not just I'm just going to go and play in the top team in my local netball competition. It's not I want to play for the state or the country. Like that's her desire and her drive. I've got a client at the moment. Her sister has this archetype. Yeah. Her sister, she's in Australia, but her sister lives in Canada. And she said to me, yeah, you know, my sister goes for a hike, but it's like, you know, these mountain ranges in snow. She's yeah. like, I struggle to go for a walk on the beach, right? So they're sisters. And so she said to me, but knowing that about her sister has helped her to build a better relationship with her now, like they're in their, you know, 40s, 50s. She said, oh. because now I get why she's been like that and why I always felt I felt inadequate because right. I didn't want to go 
you know, hike the like whatever kind of thing. So yeah. Now the, the one archetype that I think you and I do have the same that is definitely a part of the, the magnetic drive is this one that actually does have flames and fire in it. This oh. is the inspiring believer. Yeah. I so love that card. Is- For those of you who aren't seeing yeah. this on the YouTube video, it's just a female lady in a yellow dress. I love yellow. It's got a big beautiful heart where her heart would be so it's slightly to the left of her chest and her eyes are closed and there's this beautiful fire painted behind her and she like she looks lit up but divinely peaceful so I'm I'm curious to see what is in this (laughs) the the flames ended up becoming a, a representation of the fiery energy that exists for the inspire believer but also the fact this is the one archetype more than any of the others that is very energetically driven yeah, we've all got energy, but this one's on a whole different scale. And when the inspirer believer is all about inspiring the world and being inspirational and being and loving all the inspiration that's flinging around everywhere, like we love Instagram and said, you know, and Facebook, because there's all these cool things to share with everybody. When we're doing that and it's all this externally focused, we can burn ourselves out. Yeah, because mm, it's like give, give, the cheerleader, cheerleader archetype. She is an incredible potentialist. So we see the gift in others. And we have a huge desire for them to see it and embody it in themselves. And when they don't, we can feel very frustrated, very overwhelmed, and also we can get get another energy level of burning out because we've given so much to help someone else see their good or see their potential and that kind of thing. So a lot of coaches have this archetype. Uh, A lot of coaches burn themselves out with all all of that that they give to their clients and coaches, you know, counsellors, you know, mentors, any women who are supporting others tend to often have this archetype in a different kind of a way than, you know. So it's got a slight slight little link to the advocate rescue in that 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 whole don't want to rescue in the same way that an advocate rescuer fall, often falls into a trap of, but we, we persist with tenacity when we can see someone's potential and we want them to see it. So, again, giving too much, trying to do it for them, trying to help them see it, trying to, you know, that kind of thing, and it doesn't end up working so well. Because when an inspired believer is burnt out, she falls into a space of what I call the mojo-less moments. And those moments can be a moment to a day, to a week, to months on end, where you just feel like, what's the point? What's the hopeless, helpless? Why bother? I don't know why I'm even doing this. There's no, you know, and we can't see that just yesterday we had like the biggest contract we ever earned or we had a huge, you know, big win with a client or, you know, something amazing happened in our, in our life or our work or no, that was yesterday. Today, I just want to give it all away. (laughs) And it's extreme with its energy. So it's an intense archetype, very much an instinctive archetype as well, but we've got to look after our energy. The way that Mm. not looking after our energy manifests it's beyond just feeling tired and burnt out. It can end up, and I've had this feedback from so many Inspire Believers, um, chronic fatigue syndrome, any kinds of, you know, physical ailments that are energetically driven, very common with any woman that has this archetype. So look after your energy, ladies. Rest, something I had to learn the hard way. It's <laughs> so hard. because And rest is a mental construct that you have to get over that it's not being lazy. It's not not doing anything it's like resting is giving you more energy to do what you can do like (laughs) rest is an activity like resting is an activity a hundred percent I love that yes all the time yes yeah you're awesome so let's go number number four this is the liberator engineer so yeah the image on here we've got a woman peeking out from behind a wall big sun in the background 
And she's sort of got a bit of a darkness to her to a point. So the liberator engineer, she's all about freedom. This is a freedom weaver. Yeah, she's also a solution creator. So the engineering part of this liberator engineer archetype, this is one of my four, is that we have an incredible ability to build solutions that create freedom for others and for ourselves, but we think to do it with ourselves. And so, you know, through craving freedom, we're like, yeah, we're making sure everyone else is okay. And like, we can go from that fine line of feeling really free and expansive and spacious to, I've literally just like built a wall around and trapped myself into whatever it is, whether it's our work or our life, our relationships, our beliefs, our mindset, whatever. It can can happen with everything for the liberator engineer. But this is a very quick um, archetype in terms of intellectual capability. She picks up things really quickly. She has a gift for seeing the big picture and understanding all the moving parts. So this is like the engineer. Like what's the, you know, the end result, but how, what are all the fine bits that need to go into something? Yeah. So she tends to like to systemize things. She can be very analytical. She likes to understand how things work. She likes to build things. So the word build is often a word that you'll find a liberator engineer will, will use. So I'll say like, I'm just building you know, something, and that's what it means. They're actually literally feel like they're building something, like putting all the bro- blocks together to create something. Tetris. It's an archetype. Yeah, yeah. It's an archetype that on the outside looks like she's sort of got her, got her all her shit together, if you like. You know, she often comes across as being really cool and calm and collected, but she's got a deep intensity of emotion going on inside. And if she doesn't find ways to release that intensity, she can end up either imploding and, again, get sick, of all sorts of different physical ailments or she will explode as a like a release to just let off steam and I say that it's not just like exploding and going oh I'm having a bit of a moment it's like a volcano that's usually only happens to people in their in their you know immediate environment um so our nearest and dearest get to see that and can often go what is going on because you look like you're all good and then you know because but we haven't taken care of all that building up kind of stuff um i no, I've known this from my, you know, from if I look back to my early childhood memories, I can see this archetype. I've got, I don't have kids of my own, but I've got three nieces and a nephew. And in two of my nieces, I know they've got this archetype. One of them's four, the other one's 14. But just in the way that they have approached the world and they're, you know, explosive, like need to let off steam kind of, you know, and how frustrated they get. It's an archetype when she's not making sense of things, gets really frustrated. So, yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. So she's a bit like, yeah, lots of big energy in that one for sure. But in a different How amazing kind of way. is like having power through having knowledge and not power in yeah. like sitting on a throne and going, yes, I like I'm so powerful, but just going, oh, I understand, like I understand why this is happening. And it doesn't mean accepting yourself, oh, this is just how it is, or that's just Sally, that's yeah. just how she is. It's like, no, there are certain things that we are predisposed to and it doesn't mean that we can't change or we don't step into them at different areas of our life but like you know you were giving that sister example before so for people listening certain people in your life that you're close to may just actually act a certain way and that will lead them to their freedom and their liberation and that might be in like a crazy intense way that seems crazy to you because you don't have that similar archetype you yeah. don't share that yeah. so it's a different language yeah. that you're trying to communicate Very through different. I I have profile there's a, this is re, is mostly for for women but I have profiled younger women from about 14 15 depending on their maturity and who who the request has come from but it's been 
mostly daughters of my clients that mm-hmm. have like they're finally old enough to get the profile because I can understand how to parent them better. <laughs> but my elder niece is now 16 and a half, and so she's done her profile with me. Ruby is a hero and adventurer that I talked about before. Yeah. Um, and she has the media diplomat archetype, which I'm just going to talk about now, and the inspire believer, and, and her little sister who's like, Yep, okay, these school holidays, I'm already now, I'm 14, I'm nearly 15, I'm, I want to know now. Um, but it's funny, we I take them to school every Monday, so it's a bit of auntie oh, time. Yeah. We have conversations and the archetypes come up, and Ruby's been more curious this year than ever to understand different parts of her relationships with her friends and why yeah. she does certain things. I love the little parrot, little her little sister in the back seat, you know, saying, I told her, I told you Annie Shannon would tell you which one of your archetypes it was. <laughs> but we've got that language that we can use that. And again, she now knows that that's part of herself. And like with her hero and adventure, a fierce determination to win. And if she's not, she just wants to like, well, I'm just going to give it up. Yeah. And so now understanding that, you know, and this archetype, the mediator diplomat, which is the, she's all about balance on so the image, the scales is night and day, there's yeah. black and white. Um, with this archetype, it's all about truth, fairness, justice, equality, balance in the world, harmony in the world. And so Ruby said to me a few weeks ago, Lauren, she's like, why am I always trying to fix people? And she doesn't have the advocate rescuer. She's just trying to make sure there's harmony in all her friendship group. And I was like, remember that? And she's like, oh, that one, you know. So, But the difference in a young woman being able to have that knowledge of who she is. Yeah. And even last year talking with her about, selections for subjects for year 11 and year 12 and what she might want to do after high school she's got she's she's on a path to do things that are she has the archetypes for right you're an awesome auntie like god I wish I was my own auntie when I was that young come on man (laughs) yeah no no I needed someone like me too but then mediated she's all about truth and fairness and justice I'd call her the truth teller she's got incredible listening skills and she often finds herself stuck in the middle you know, mediator diplomat, there's clues in their names as to what they're all about. And it's that people come to mediator diplomats because they know that you'll give them an ear, you'll support them. But there's an interesting dynamic with the mediator diplomat is that you can see both sides. So it's not about it's this and and you get on board with someone who's like, I just want you to support me for what I've got going on right now. And they want to have a rant or whatever. You're like, but what about this? Like, and some people will like that. Some people will be really annoyed at you for it. Right. Yeah. But you are, it is about you using your skills to create harmony for yourself, for you to create balance or blending the things that are important to you, for you to understand that, that if something doesn't feel truthful, if it doesn't feel fair, doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel just, you take action, whether it's for you or somebody else. Yeah. So while the advocate rescue wants to jump in and fix things, then the mediator diplomat is about, it's, it's driven in a very different kind of a way. Yeah. yeah, but so she's often has getting things that she wants to champion in the world. She'll have something that through her work or business or her life, she will like, we need to make sure that this is understood. And, you know, it's a very practical matter of fact archetype. There's not much emotion with this archetype, but some of the others are hugely emotive. This one, not so much. Very yeah. practical, very sensible. Let's just get on with it. Why do we need to have conversations again and again? We, we've talked about it once. Why can't we just move on? That kind of energy. <laughs> I love yeah. her. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people do. Sometimes um, she gets a bit of a bad rap, though, with some women that have her because they're like, that practical side, like, feel like it takes the wind <laughs> out of like, my inspired believer wanting to be all excitable and, you know, a big cheerleader kind of thing. And then the media yeah. diplomat comes in and says, do we really need to go that far and be that fancy or that over the top? Yeah, Just so she has the work done. 
yeah, she's been um, she's been dubbed the fun killer by some women in my community, which I think is quite funny. We need all of these archetypes in the world so that we can have this beautiful blend. We can give okay. her a fun hat. Yeah, exactly. The mentor teacher is the next one. So this is a yeah with a figure with a books on her head and sort of like a blackboard in the background. This is the um, the gatherer or the the seeker and gatherer of wisdom and knowledge. So it's as a mentor teacher, this is an archetype that is here as the conduit for knowledge in the world. We And this is one of my four archetypes. We take knowledge in and we, we're here to share it. It's not about just hoarding it and going, oh, cool, this is good. I'm learning more and more and more. We, we are here to share it with the world. Mm. You know, we're the ones that, that push all the knowledge and wisdom and experience out into the world. So mentor teachers are always signing up for some new learning experience. They're always wanting to do a new program, a course, an experience, something. But it's not about like formal qualifications for a mentor teacher. We like those, but we also love the lessons that life has to offer us. And those life lessons are as rich and important as the lessons from a more formal kind of setting. Yeah, this is an archetype is an amazing guide for transformation and transition for people as well. So again, a lot of coaches have this archetype, a lot of coaches that end up turning their knowledge into products and programs and courses and that kind of thing that probably have the mentor teacher and this is one archetype right time when I'm working with one of my clients my the business women I work with I'm like if you have the mentor teacher archetype you really need to package what you know into something and make that part of your business model yeah you know I'm not very I'm not usually a, you really should do this kind of thing but this is one that's like you're wasting a huge opportunity if you don't you know? yeah. you're here to do that kind of thing um, so, you know, I, I, I love my mentor teacher, but at the yeah. same time, the overabundance of what she knows and her desire to find out more can be a challenge at times. And when a mentor teacher is not feeling confident in her knowledge and mistrusting her innate wisdom that she came to the world with, not the stuff she's then gone on to learn, she can get to a point where she's like, oh, no, I can't do this because I need to go and get that qualification or I need mm. to go and do this or second guess herself. Or she will try and over deliver too much information trying to prove that she knows something and she's got worth and value to offer yeah so something to be very mindful of you know? and you'll always but. find more courses to do I definitely know I have her within me as well because I'm so interested in like life lessons and doing so many things but you can be learning the exact same lessons from all of the stuff you, like you probably could teach the things that you're going to do a course in versus like oh no that one looks pretty and that one sounds fun and that one's the one that I need to do for now it's like actually like you said there, there wouldn't be many that you're like you need to do this but I know that I need to hear you need to just stop you need to put the books down and actually start implementing yeah. and exactly yeah. implementation is is incredibly important there's yeah. another interesting dynamic that shows up for the mental teacher where she may be sitting in a like a virtual or a real classroom kind of environment doing some sort of learning whether it's a like a you know a craft workshop on the weekend or you know a, a postgraduate degree but sit there and go I already know this because mm -hmm. she probably has done it before <laughs> yeah and then what happens though is that she will abandon her experience or her study or decide she knows it. So yeah. there's an, a little bit of arrogance and ego can come in with this archetype as well. And yeah. that's not great because what that means is that she doesn't implement because she never fully finishes anything. Right. Can waste a lot of time and money doing that kind of stuff. So, yeah. yes, go back to this is, you know, and understand the what wisdom actually is. You know, it's oh, what you already yes. know, not the learning kind of stuff so I when I talk with my clients who majority of them have this archetype so like from a brand perspective 
I know how to what language to use and how to connect because I know the core archetypes of the majority of the women I work with. Mm. Yeah, there is two or three consistently show up, occasionally a fourth one, depending on the program or the thing I'm doing. But I talk about them and I was like, okay, you know, your wisdom is what you know, what you came to this earth knowing. So then there is, on top of that, there is the lived and learned experience your and your expertise. They're different layers of you deepening your wisdom, but that's not where what you know as a mentor teacher started. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to get very passionate about own your wisdom. Yeah. Saying to myself. Yeah, well, exactly. We say what right. we need to hear. Yeah, all right. We're halfway through, so I'm going to try and keep, go, go, keep going with this one. So the mother nurture is the one that we have next. So very sort of a, um, a loving-looking woman holding a what could be an infant. So the mother nurturer archetype, this is the ultimate caregiver, yeah? She is all about family. Uh, she wants to have her own children or to birth things, yeah? So not every mother nurturer ends up having her own children that she's birthed, but she will be like that, you know, like the fairy godmother kind of energy that's everyone's mum, you know? And But though women that have this archetype, they're like what I know to describe them today in a training I did earlier today with my, some of my clients. It's like she's that palpable hug in a room. Like you just feel loved and nurtured when she's around. My mum has this archetype. But being a, a very independent by my archetypes, very independent daughter of hers, um, I often felt very smothered because sometimes there, there's a fine line between mothering and supporting and being, you know, wanting to empower your offspring or your family, both real and perceived family. And just going too much because, like, but I just want to be with you and I just want to make sure you're okay. It's like, mm-hmm. let's let me breathe kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it comes from a good place, but there's a fine line between being the mother and being the smother. Yeah. So yes. mother nurture, you often struggle with that. From a work and business perspective, they will often abandon the things that they were doing because there is a, a real or perceived um, desire or call for help from a real or perceived family member. Yeah. So it's like, but they need, they might need me. I can't, I can't, I can't do it that week because someone might need me that week. That kind of an energy. Yeah. Yes. So they're good at, good at self-sabotaging on all levels in their life. It's all about everything else. And again, back to my, my nieces, I was talking to them um, just with the school drop off kind of thing and said something about whether or not my mum being their grandmother was going to pick them up. And the younger one says to me, well, of course she will, Annie Shannon, because you know, it's us, it's her grandkids. It's like, yeah, she'll drop everything right. if anyone anything, right? But beautiful. Wow. But self-care, calling it self-care, they've got to really look at that gift of nurture and nurturing self so they can be a better, more abundant, loving, generous kind of woman that they desire to be, yeah? yeah. yeah. When a mother nurturer and, a, and the advocate rescuer are not taking care of themselves and not looking after those aspects of who they are, they can often get a bit martyrish and a bit like, oh, no one acknowledged me and that kind of thing, which they'd feel terrible about. It's not so good for everyone else either. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. All right, moving yeah. on. The Networker Connector. So, yeah, there's a very expansive kind of woman here and stars, circles, all sorts of stuff going on. The Networker Connector is the social butterfly that we all know, the friend that we have who knows everybody, the friend that we go to because we want to, you know, do you know us such and such or do you know this person? That friend knows that person or knows the person <laughs> who knows that person. That's the Networker Connector. She has an, an incredible gift for connecting people. Uh, like she'll walk into a room and she'll like scan and go, well, who's here? Who do I know? Who do I know? know? And just make introductions happen. Yeah? yeah. So she has a huge network. She will generously share that with the people that ask her to. 
what she's often terrible at is actually making the most of that network for herself. So she's like, you know, the awkwardness of, oh, I could never ask for help. You know, there might be someone that she actually could really benefit from some support, but I'm not going to ask them because, no, I couldn't do that. And yet she's, you know, introduced that person to 10 people and they, you know, done business together or something, that kind yeah. of thing. Networking Connect can often be really um, challenged when it comes to self-connection because she so craves human connection that self-connection and being solo is very foreign to her. But her connection on a, you know, on a bigger scale with others will be greater and deeper and more reliable, more trustworthy, more respected and honoured in, in a two-way kind of arrangement when she can connect herself first. So that's the Networking Connector. All right, we've got four more. Okay. The Pioneer Seeker is the next one. It's a woman here and there's like a path in the background and in her heart there are coins. That's what they're supposed to look at, these little yellow discs. And that's that. significant the treasure that she has within her. Every archetype's got its own treasure, but the pioneer seeker is that she is the innovator. She is the disruptor of the world, pioneering, just like it sounds. She wants to do things first. She wants to carve a way out there and do things in an original fashion, but she's also on a mission seeking her place in the world and seeking to work out what she's here to do on a different kind of a level to the other archetypes. And the whole message around the pioneer seeker or the, the gift that she can give herself is understanding that her treasure is already within. She doesn't need to go externally for it. It is within you, ladies. And, you know, so often I work with pioneer seekers and they'll be like, no, I don't do this. And I was like, and I just literally will hold the card up or, or say to them, <laughs> remember what's inside? Remember, like, do we need to go and do that extra thing or do that? And, you know. If they've also got the mentor teacher archetype, not so good because it, what it looks like is, but I need to go and learn something more. No, you don't need to learn any more about yourself. You've mm. got it within you. Yeah. Right. This is an archetype that has um, a really cheeky, playful kind of side as well. Um, she has, so there is a good archetype I'm going to talk about next called the queen ruler, but this archetype has got an, a queen kind of element to it, but it's the queen of the underworld. So it's the queen of the, like, you know, these are the women that have, have relationships with the bad boys or the, you know, the bad girls, if they're, depending on what they're, where they go. But, you know, they like things that are a bit naughty, a bit unusual. They often come across quite innocent and sweet, but there's this whole other side to them. Yeah. They get bored very easily. And this is where the disruptor thing can kick in as well. Like, you know, if I imagine like a classroom kind of work environment, this is that person that will say the inappropriate thing <laughs> to say the thing again, very, very, you know, by the more sensitive archetypes, like the mother nurturers and the advocate rescuers, like, I can't believe she just said that out loud. That There's children in the room and you're like, oh, well. <laughs> I know. But the, and the pioneer seekers love it because they just often just, they just want to break the ice. Anything that feels boring or, or mundane, like I just need to change this up. Like they can't go with it at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a very yeah, interesting archetype. Yeah. But she's also very good at dis disrupting for the sake of disrupting and not as a deflection because, you know, this is an archetype with one of her fears is around, I'm not good enough on a different level to the other archetypes, like the mental teachers, I don't know enough kind of thing. This is I'm not good enough. The self-value can be a challenge. So if there's anything where it looks like that might show up, she just say something to deflect the attention elsewhere. Or interesting enough, it often does it draws the attention to her, but she's changed this type of attention. Yep. So people forget they may have been asking her a question or wanting her to do something or wanting her to contribute because she just completely flipped it around. So fascinating to have in a, in a learning environment. <laughs> 
Oh, I'm <laughs> learning so much. I'm like, I need this book to to just like look at these things and um, observe them because I'm a people yeah. observer as well. And I know that all I'm hearing from this is pattern, 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 pattern. And the world That's is it. made up of that. And you've done such a beautiful way curating some way of explaining this. So, yeah, keep smashing through. You're nailing it. I love it. Thank you. All right, so we've got three more to go. So the Queen Ruler is up next. There's the Lady with the Crown. There's gems. There's lots of faces in the background. This is the ultimate in leadership and compassionate leadership. So there's a little message underneath that image that says rulership with generous compassion. She leads from the heart. Mm. Yeah, and that's not to say that uh, Queen Ruler doesn't also feel very overwhelmed about her potential for leadership. And I have worked with Queen Rulers as clients that, and have a lot of, interestingly, a lot of friends who are Queen Rulers. And they, they're either like, yeah, I get the leadership thing. And yes, I want to like build an empire, like this massive kind of thing. Or they're like, oh, that feels very awkward. Or I'm not sure how I would do that. And so that'll be influencing, come influence coming from her their other archetypes as to how much they go, yes, I know, I get, I get that for me or I'm not sure about that. But deep down, they really do want it, yeah? yeah? They respect loyalty. They want to have people around them that they can trust. They like to have like the inner sanctum of trusted friends. Often queen rulers have friends who are net, uh, mediator diplomats because mediator diplomats keep them honest if their ego is in check as well because the yeah. queen rulers can be very ego driven at different times. You know, it's like, I'm here to, be, I know I'm special. Like I'm here to be important in the world. This is the kind of energy that some queen rulers can have. They love the VIP experience. They will upgrade everything. They want to live an opulent, luxurious life. Mm -hmm. If they don't have the money to do that, they can feel really, really disgruntled and really like, you know, it's like identity crisis. But I know I'm meant for something special, but I don't have the funds or, you know, that kind of thing to do that. Yeah, But they can be incredibly philanthropic. They love to give back. They love to support. I've got a very dear friend who's an advocate rescuer queen ruler and I call her the queen of compassion. And wow. she, you know, is, you know, 10 boards and this kind of stuff, always giving back, always doing kind of things. But she's not just on the board. She's like the chair of the board, like, you know, the leadership kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah? So their home is important to them. They have a real eye for design and they love beauty. I always say queen rulers are here to bring beauty to the world. Oh, so they often are to professions like you know they can often you know, be you know, in professions to do with property with renovation with design um you know credible kind of stuff so yeah but they don't always find that stepping into their huge potential as comfortable as maybe they would like to okay second last one and definitely not the least too but the shapeshifter alchemist this is a woman here she's got a cape and a mask on lots she of energy awesome. behind her lots of color yeah so this is the the mystical you know with shapeshifter alchemist gives again gives you clues to her name but the shapeshifter element is that she's a versatile she loves variety she needs variety she can adapt who she is and what she is but often to the point that she becomes lost in the world on a whole different way to some of the other archetypes because her she's like the chameleon she can literally step into another person's shoes and become like that individual and so it's there for the, but I don't know who I am today kind of thing. Or who shall I be today? Like what, mm -hmm. you know, some have like different wardrobes depending on which friendship group they're hanging out with for the day. Like it can be that extreme. Yeah. yeah. She did, but she does need variety in her life. Um, but at the same time, work on understanding her sense of self. Um, she can sometimes feel quite ungrounded and quite like she's just not really sure where she is and sort of be a bit wafty around in the world. And the way for a shapeshifter alchemist to ground is to welcome magic into her day. 
So I oh. will always say to a church, whatever makes you feel magic or magical, do that. Like I'm never going to preface and say it's, you know, having this or doing that. Whatever makes you feel magical, do more of that. Will wow. ground you, remind you of your mystical ways. It's an archetype that's often very elusive, very, and I said, mystical, and people are a bit like, I don't really know who she is. Yeah. And she's she like, good, I don't want you to know, kind of thing. So yeah. often can glorify that kind of, I don't really know, you know, I don't really, it's good that people don't really know who I am, but from a, a business and work perspective, we need to be more grounded. So use a rather archetypes to ground ourselves. Yeah. And I feel like. Would, would it in that level as well there because I feel like with all of these we get drawn to elements of all of them that we're like oh I'm a little bit of that and it may be not so much the shadow side but we go oh like I like that bit and I'll yeah. take that but with yes. her I sense that you know feeling of potential loneliness while some people might not know exactly who she is and what she does there is a, a sense of longing for people to know that as well like to go yeah. oh, I kind of do want them <laughs> It's an internal dichotomy and that, right. where that's coming from is if she has other archetypes yep. and she may have, the, the say she's got four or five, so shapes of giraffes tend to have more archetypes. Yep. No surprise because it's a chameleon. <laughs> yep. And, you know, anyone who gets just gets the book and reads that in the chapter for the shape future alchemist it says, if you've read the book and you think you've got all 12, you've got this one kind of yeah. thing, right? <laughs> like, hey, this is me, this is me. And it's an archetype that others that, that don't have it are often really drawn to because like, oh, she's intriguing and she's interesting. I wish I had her. And it's see, the alchemist part is that it's the master manifester. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it often creates an archetype envy when someone doesn't have this in a room or in a, in a group. And they're like, but I want that one. I want to be able to manifest. Like we can all manifest. But this one, it's like lightning speed. So I will yeah. always say to a structure director, be really considered about what you're thinking, saying, feeling and doing because your thoughts, words, feelings and actions will become your reality instantly, both the good stuff and the not the good stuff. So 100%. a lot of structure directors will then say, I hate this archetype because all I've had is manifesting crappy experiences in my life. It's like, yeah, but you can turn that around. Like, and they look at me like I've got some foreign, like two heads all of a sudden. I was like, no, this is good. Like, because you understand how quickly you can do that. So let's. Again, focus on shifting your mindset, your thoughts, your feelings, your words, that kind of stuff, so you can have yes. the other experience. Yeah. Yes. Be trapped in, no, oh, I don't like this part of me, but visibility can be a big challenge for this archetype. So, you know, from a, a business kind of brand perspective, it can be, yeah, here I am, and then like, no, I'm not going to let you see me for the next five weeks because I'm not really <laughs> sure. I'm here, no, I'm not. I'm here, no, I'm not. So use your other yes. archetypes to help you to be more visible and present, right? Yes. So, Yes. Let your magic out in the world. People want it. Oh, yeah? I People love that it. for magic, like because it's so open to interpretation and it's not a woo-woo thing. It's like your magic could be having your cup of coffee in the morning, sitting under a tree really? or in your favourite chair, yeah. and I love that. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And as I said, said Lauren, like I always say to her, because, you know, you work out what magic means to you and sometimes, depending on their other archetypes, if they also have the mediator diplomat, they'll go, you know, because the practical side of the media goes like magic, like that doesn't make sense to me. And I'm like, you know what it means. Like don't yeah. overthink it. Don't try and make it something it's not. But equally there are shapeshifter alchemists that I know and have worked with that are like, awesome, I'm going to go and buy a magic wand or I want to get a cape. Yes. Like they <laughs> that kind of thing. Or they're like, oh, and this gives me permission to go and buy more crystals. Or like, I don't whatever works for yes. you, sister, you go and do that. Like if it's supporting you to feel more magic in your day, 
then your shapeshifter alchemist is going to be happier and she's going to be able to be more visible and that's what is important so i <laughs> whatever you do yeah and then the very last one is this visionary creator so she's got lots of artistic kind of things in the background a big eye she can see um there's a little owl in the right in the bottom there you can see that oh just yes there, the little, the, yes yeah is the last of my four archetypes a very rare archetype i would say that of this so six seven hundred women that i've profiled i've probably profiled about 15 wow. maybe visionary creators yep so it's quite a rare archetype they are finding that from this and me it's an archetype because it's quite rare can feel quite uncertain about her I guess like her superpowers if you like was that the visionary aspect is that she has an ability to see what's possible yeah and yeah. A, a real trust in the knowing but sometimes that trust can be eroded away because she's got the visionary also also big grand ideas like I told you about my vision for you know and I talk about it beyond my lifetime that's yeah. a visionary creator talking other people are like It'd be really cool if I just did this this year like no I'm like talking about like legacy my, my physical life yeah legacy yeah. kind of stuff <laughs> Um, you know, one of my, my business manager always talks and she's like, yeah, we're going intergalactic with the Thrive Factor. It's not just yes. about, you know, in, in this immediate kind of world, we're going intergalactic. It's like that kind of level. Um, but, of course, when we share the visions that we have, the dreams that we have, the aspirations we have on that sort of very large scale, there's so many others in the world that are like, oh, that's a bit, no, that's crazy. You couldn't do that. Like, no, no, that's never going to happen. So there can be from when we're really little where we have less of the, the external world telling us we can't share that stuff, but we so we share it more, you know, innately. It's more of a compulsive kind of, I can't help but tell everyone what I want to do and what I can see and what I feel. And then we'll have someone in the world start telling us that that's not possible mm. and this is where we can mistrust our knowing and mistrust our vision. It's not a good thing for a visionary creator because a visionary creator is here to be the conduit to help others bring their future to the present. Correct. Yeah? So, it's, uh, you know, when I sit with a client and people say to me, is it like you're a clairvoyant? I'm like, no, it's not like that at all. But oh. if I get a really strong sense about what's possible for someone, and this is also backed by the potentialist aspect of my Inspire Believer, I'll share it with them. Like I have no problems holding it back. In fact, I think, think that it's a power play if I do hold it back. But I'm also mindful that my vision for them, what I just saw, I got a really strong sense of could be like, you know, decades away. So it's I share it with them and then I go, okay, now let's bring that back to now though. Let's let's talk about that and what you can do to support yourself now because this is possible what could happen for you in your future, yeah? Yep. Um, so that I don't overwhelm people who just go into a freak out when I go, look at what's possible for you. And they're like, you know, it's calm, uh... something can't be there. And like, no, you just said that, you just said that. You know, and like, no, I didn't say it. I don't, I don't, you know, share my words just for the sake of it. Definitely not. Um, the creator part of it is the ability to take action on the things that she can see and she knows is possible. And it's also the artistic archetype. So this is, I always say to visionary creators and remind myself that exactly as I'm saying it every single time, the more we express ourselves creatively in whatever that is for us, could be gardening, could be conversations, it could be actual artistic kind of stuff. Like for me, I paint and draw and write. You know, the more we do that, the more we can ground in our vision and trust in our knowing, yeah? Mm. It's a very strategic archetype, a very, very naturally entrepreneurial archetype. Um, as I said, yeah, she's got big, big pictures about stuff. And she also, not in the same way that the shapeshifter alchemist, but she does have the manifesting ability. 
yeah. in terms of like seeing the vision, trusting in the vision, and then knowing how to do the stuff to bring it to life. So oh. there you go, all 12 archetypes. <laughs> Thank you for sharing them for one. Thank you for being so generous with sharing them. And, you know, instantly when we hear things, we, we relate things back to ourselves. I'm not just the only one doing it, but for this episode, I'm curious about like, cause I need to get the book now and have a little bit of a squiz at that over time. It's, it's exciting. And I want to encourage other people to do that. Cause I'm sure people watching or listening will go, yeah. Oh God, like, what I'm am I like, tell me who I am. Are you, am I breaking up a little bit there? Yeah. Just cool. That's all good. We're back Only now. Right there at the end. There you go. <laughs> um, I just wanted to ask again. what your, what your way of resting is. There you go. You frozen. Frozen. No. I have to start singing frozen. Let it go. There you go. So you're back. We're yes. back. Yeah. It might be universe saying, come on. It's freezing. <laughs> oh, I'm not. I think you're good now. Okay. If we can get this through, what is your way of resting, beautiful Shannon? For someone who has such fire, intensity, tenacity, how, how did that practice of rest come about and what does that look like for you either daily or weekly or monthly? I would love to know. Yeah, so over the last few years I have radically changed my schedule, whereas before I would be like, yeah, I'm, I'll be, I'm happy, I'm up early, I'll, I'll do a client session. So it's like, no, now I don't start my client work until after 10 in the morning. So that I, you know, I have decent sleep. I still wake quite naturally early, but I have sleep and I can do things like, and I do like to do a journaling practice. I do like to do, you know, a visualization kind of thing. I'll do some training maybe of my own, um, something that you get a mental teacher I sign up for or my coach is doing with me or something. Yeah. I, you know, I like to exercise in the morning. I have good breakfast. So all of that stuff is done in the morning and then I show up and do the work stuff, right? Mm. Um, and then outside of that, you know it's stopping at the end of the day it's not going oh, I could easily just keep doing work because I love what I do it's going no yeah. time off and like having some you know some just whatever kind of stuff on tv or reading a book or chatting to a friend like all the different kinds of things and depending on what time of year it is I like you said earlier about loving the water I'm also a water lover mm-hmm. and I love to stand on paddle boards so in the, the yes. months where the weather conducive for that I'm out on my board and that to me is my meditation. That's freedom. And people yes. are like, really? I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stroke in the water with the paddle. Like it's, it is meditative to me. So that kind of stuff. And just, you know, spending time with people that I adore and but equally spending time with myself. I like I'm, I very much need time alone as much as I need time with other people. So I listen to my body when it's telling me, screaming at me to rest. I pay attention to that now, um, you know, and just working on letting go of, preconceived you know I guess not preconceived but the things that we've been told as women that were how we have to show up in the world and what we have to do and who we have to be I've you know the older I get the more I just let that go I'm like you know I need to listen to me first you know because the version of me that I'm putting out in the world if I don't do that is not that fabulous necessarily it's you know I'm gonna honor my my own thrive factor honor my own archetypes what they desire practice what you preach and that's something that I love about you and um and it's why you would retain clients you don't just get clients and they're like oh she's not really sticking through it's like 
They can see that you're putting in the work. They can see that you dedicate time that you're not getting back to them instantly. It's like, no, you know, I don't answer my phone or my emails until this time on this day or whatever it might be. And it's setting those boundaries for someone with certain archetypes that might be inclined to, I'll oh, just quickly get it done now because that way I won't be stressed or, you know, I, I don't want them left waiting in the dark. It's like, what do you need first? Fill your own cup and then you will show up in your most abundant and best version of you self when you get there. That's it. So, you know, so even this year as I did like a bit of a visioning session with my business manager, <clears throat> excuse me, and we talked about, you know, what's, well, how do we do a, is this a quick yes or a quick no? Like with an invitation or something, yeah. I was like, if it doesn't contribute to my thriving, it's a no. Yeah. Black and white. Yeah. Love it. Like that's stronger every year. And mm. with that, it's again, yeah, well, what is my definition of thriving? So, you know, I don't need to share that, but that's a really powerful question for us to each ask ourselves. What it. is my definition of thriving? You know, and what am I willing, this is an amazing question that I heard not the first time I heard it, won't be the last time, but February 2020, before the world all changed, I was you know, keynote, opening keynote speaker, an amazing week-long event in Fiji, um, women's event called the Ultimate Girls Week Away. Wow. A former client of mine runs this, so it's an incredible thing. And the, the big note keynote speaker was Elizabeth Gilbert, the author of Eat, Pray, Love. So Liz is on stage and she says, like, there's this buzzing room full of women, Lauren, like, you know, all chatting and all this stuff. And she was working through a workshop and she says, okay, powerful. Like, she says, I want you to think about this. And the room went silent, waiting for her on every word she's going to drop. But she said, what are you willing to say no to in order to live the life or do the work that you say you are here to do? Mm. Again, was another reminder of okay, what is my redefine, redefine? What's my definition of thriving? What am I doing? What am I going to say no to? And saying no to was was schedules where, where other people had more control rather than me. That kind of stuff. So, yeah, really important for all of us to be mindful of that kind of stuff. It's not being selfish. I think actually the selflessness of choosing self is actually far more powerful than you know going. But I'm being selfish if I'm doing something for me. No, you're not. You're being selfless. totally because I think that misconception of the word Mm. selfish like thinking that you're selfish for doing something and if you're not looking after yourself leads to so many more problems than actually taking care of you it leads to things like anger illness resentment frustration whatever it might be and I know resentment from my own self that when I don't speak up and when I don't say no or if I overcommit or if I step into that oh look after everybody else and make sure everyone else is all good and then you sit there going like why isn't anybody helping me it's like well you didn't set that intention and again yeah and it's like you know in the master manifest the side of archetypes too when you set a certain intention there it's like you get exactly what you ask for so be very mindful of the language and the focus and energy that you're putting into your work and the way that you're holding yourself keeping the relationships around you or managing your own time it's such a such a huge and powerful thing like Shannon explains in her book which I want anybody listening and watching to get amongst yes so I think right where we had a little bit of a tech issue is when you were asking me about where people can find stuff. Yes. So for the Thrive Factor, 
Um, I've got two websites. I rebranded after many years in business. My business was called Creative Possibility. It's now Thrive Factor Co to bring everything under the Thrive Factor brand. Yep. So that we can find stuff about coaching and stuff with me, but come and hang out with me on social media. So you'll yep. find me on Facebook. I know Lauren's got links and things on Instagram, Shannon underscore the Thrive Factor. I've got a Facebook group called Ingenious Businesswoman, which again is where we talk about business and Thrive Factor. But for the Thrive Factor stuff where you can get the link to buy the book, um, you can you know, do profiling, you find out about certification, you can just find out about all sorts of stuff, is thethrivefactor.com. Yep. So you go to thethrivefactor.com. That's yep. where you can get all that magic stuff. Right now in the world, I can certainly post books in Australia, but the cost to post beyond Australia is prohibitive. So yep. the book then for, therefore is available on Amazon and Book Depository and all the kind of regular online places. But if you are in Australia and you do want a copy and you order from me, I will also send you a deck of the cards. Oh, so amazing. And if you're in the west part of Australia, um, come and visit the pair of us. We'd love to meet up with you. And yeah. I know that Shannon would have a busy schedule as I do, but um, we, um, if we're anything similar, I will make time for people who want the time to hang out with like-minded souls or who are wanting to look to be leaders or to get to their next level of potential, which is like not even next level. It's like already present within you. It's about uncovering the thrive factor. And um, I'm such an advocate for, <clears throat> pardon me, Shannon's work without even having done it, just talking her to her, receiving her energy. It's like, you know, that she is walking that talk you know she's all about it she loves what she does and it's just like it's infectious being around people like that um so yeah I, I wanted to end with one little question because normally I ask like you know what's a book or a podcast or something that you've been listening to that you recommend but what I'm going to actually ask is do you still follow like Carl Jung's teachings or like who is your biggest role model or teacher Presently, I've never got just one, and this is the yeah. the joy of being a mentor teacher. There is an abundance of them, so I can't cool. even narrow down just one. But yeah, I like, and I dip in and out of stuff. So I said, like, I've got, a, you know, last year I did a, an extra diploma in Jungian psych, like Jungian archetypal psychology. So yeah, I'm, you know, that's still a present thing, and it's not because I needed to do it again. I was just interested in doing it. I just wanted to refresh my knowledge on that, so I did. Um, and I love working with women from all over the world. I love all sorts of different topics. So rather than an actual person or book or podcast or something to follow, it's anything that sparks my inspiration because I'm an inspirer believer that okay. makes me feel free because I'm a liberator engineer that reminds me how wise I am and gives me an opportunity to learn because I'm a mentor teacher and is creative, expressive and visionary because I'm a visionary creator. So those are the kinds of things that draw my attention and it's wide and diverse, like mm. very diverse. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Let's close with that. I so much appreciate your time, energy, just everything about you. I know that we're going to have much more to do with each other and I would love to do like a little follow-up episode like I have said to everyone who's come on the podcast just to track where you are whether it's 10 years from now and you've got another thrive factor book out there um i got two manuscripts on the go at the moment Lauren. yes <laughs> oh amazing yes yeah. oh so yeah. incredible um and the next one that should come out later this year is is called braggadacious and it's about the bold art oh. of self-celebration oh. thrive factor style 
So 12 months of like looking at, you know, an archetype as a, as a guide and as a support for you to be more in the space of self-celebration. So that's hopefully going to be out later this year because I'm speaking at an event interstate in November and I'd like to have it available to, you know, for the women there. So well, maybe yes. we could do a little yeah. pre-launch. Love to. Yeah. Love to. Very grateful for you saying, come and chat. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. Happy days. I just, I love it. I love learning about people like yourself. I love that connection side. And um, if we're in the same part of town at the right time, let's make it happen. Catch up for a hot drink and just receive each other's energy and what's meant for that moment, whether it's five or 10 minutes or three hours. I feel like I could chat to you for a whole day, but um, yeah, I don't often have a whole day free. <laughs> no, we'll make it happen. I love it. Thank you so much. It's been amazing being here and being able to chat with you and I don't take lightly the invitation to share my work. Of course, anytime. And if you know anyone else who is got beautiful work that they want to share, just pass them along. And yeah, it would be, it's such an honor to share. I just love it. Definitely. Most definitely. Thank you. Take care, beauty.